good singing right there. Sister Butler and Sister Shannon. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank y'all for that beautiful song. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. This morning, I'd like to turn our attention to the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. First Corinthians, chapter 13, starting at verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 13, starting at verse 1. When you have it, please say amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 13, starting at Verse 1, you will find these words. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you from the thought. What does love have to do with it? What does love have to do with it. I borrowed that title from an 80s song sung by Tina Turner. But that song was a song of heartbreak and bitterness. Relegating love to being a secondhand emotion. The, the, the song goes on to say, what good is a heart when a heart can be broken? But today, I'm looking at that same question through God's eyes. And we find that the questions and the statements that were made from that song don't meet the definition in Scripture. The passage of Scripture that I read from chapter 13 finds its place nestled with the backdrop of chapter 12. In chapter 12, Paul was contending 
for the body of Christ and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to me. He was contending from the fact that there was all kinds of viewpoints regarding the gifts and the offices of those gifts. In one particular perspective, there were those who were saying, I have this gift which is greater than that gift. And in another perspective, there were those who were saying, I am this part of the body, so I have no need of the rest. And then there was others that saying that everyone should have the same gift, and Paul went on to say, if everybody's the same member, then where is the body? And today we still have those same arguments. We still have those who desire gifts that others have because those gifts are in the limelight. Some who are gifted to exhort through song and to sing like angels, some others desire that same gift because they feel like that gift is more important to the body of Christ than the gifts that they have. And so Paul was encouraging them to understand that whatever your gift is, whether it is a limelight gift or not, that gift is of great need in the body of Christ. And in fact, he argues for the fact that the gifts that are not upstage and in the lights are of greater honor than those that are in the lights. So whether you're teachers or preachers or singers, those gifts are important, but they are not of greatest honor. What about gift of administration? Without gift of administration, the church falls apart because church business is not conducted. So what that I can preach? So what that I can teach? But if there's nobody with the gift of administration to take care of the books, the next thing you know, the doors will be closed. The lights will be out. There will be no gas. There will be no water because those things have not been taken care of. So what that I'm able to sing like an angel, but there's somebody outside that needs some help. If there's not those who have the gifts of help, then how will they get it? The gifts of discernment. Sometimes you got to have the gift of discernment so you can figure out whether or not this is true or false. If out the gift of discernment, oh, how much faulty doctrine would enter the church and not people would not even be aware. But those gifts don't get talked about and they don't get put on front stage, but they are necessary. They are important and they are greater honor, Paul said. Paul says, don't get thrown off by the fact that you don't have these limelight gifts. You don't have these gifts that are in light that everybody is watching all the time. Because you are is just important, if not more important, than those who have them. And then he deals with the whole issue that we have today in, I can worship the Lord without being at the church. Yes, it's true that you can. But the Bible says, forsake not the assembly of us together as some do. Because remember that this is a body of Christ. 
not a member of Christ. We are taught that the body is of many members, one body. There is something special when the children of God come together as many members assemble together. There is an experience that cannot be met alone. So when we say we can sit back and worship alone without the church, we are deceiving ourselves. If we want to get the fullness of worship, we have to come on one accord. The Bible lets us know Jesus himself said, where the two or three are gathered in who? His name. Letting us know that we're not an island on our own. That we can't just get away from everybody else and not be bothered and then fulfill the law of Christ. But the law of Christ is fulfilled when we learn how to come together and work together as a working body of the Lord. He says, if you are an ear and the ear says, no need of the eye. Oh, I got my gifts and I got mine and I don't need you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We need every one of each other. We need all of us together to make that perfect picture of the body of Christ. But it's so easy for us to say, you know what, I'm tired of fooling with them. I'm tired of dealing with their issues. I'm tired of all of that. I'm just getting by myself, me, and God. And that's where it comes in, this whole idea of a personal relationship. With a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, yes, we must have. But even the world has a personal relationship because when they stand before God at the great white throne of judgment after not receiving Jesus Christ for a lifetime, that's going to be personal. But I'm telling you today that God is looking for more than just personal relationship with one another, but he's looking for a corporate relationship one with one another. The Bible in so many places talks about the one another's of the Bible. Bearing with one another, loving one another, praying for one another. It's all about the body of Christ that we are to come together and we are to worship God together because we are to what? Bear one another's burdens. It is a corporate relationship with God. So in chapter 12, As chapter 12 comes to an end, Paul says these words. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of hearing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, when we look at that particular passage, Paul is saying we have diversity of gifts. We're not all teachers. We're not all preachers. We're not all prophets. We're not all apostles. We're not all of any of the same gift. We all don't have gift of healing. But it is that we work together with that which has been given to bring us together to make that perfect mosaic which is called the body of Christ. And so this Less understood verse in verse 31 that says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. If we look at this in its Greek, what we find out is that what he's saying, but you 
desire the best gifts. What he's saying, he's saying everybody's desiring what they believe to be the best gifts. Instead of using that which they have been given. So he's saying stop in a way he's saying you desire these things but stop trying to desire what you think is the best gift. But he shows us a more excellent way. Because you see, he ends and he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So Paul is bringing something to the table that they have not. They have looked at gifts and their abilities and looked at their personal relationships and they've looked at, well, I'm just this, so I don't need to be part of that. But they missed the more excellent way. So Paul says, and I now are going to begin to show you a more excellent way. So now we transition from chapter 12 into chapter 13 to see what this more excellent way is. Verse 1 says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging symbol. So Paul says if I'm an eloquent speaker and I can conjugate verbs and I can talk with metaphor and simile and I can do all these great things to build pictures and, and, and excite people in the word because I'm a great speaker. If I'm just speaking to, to impress folks but have not love for them then I might as well just be making a whole lot of noise. And this word love, what does love mean? It means to have a genuine selfless concern for other folks. Not doing for others because it's going to be something that you enjoy, but that is what they need. This word love in the Greek is agape. It's the godly love. It's the love that we talk about when we see seeing beyond their faults and seeing their what? Need. Because we know that the father looked down through the annals of time and he saw how wicked we are to become. He saw the wickedness that we did that did not honor him. But he didn't stop there and say, because of your wickedness, you are damned to hell. No, he said, I'll send my son to die in your place because I can see your faults, but I'm going to see beyond that and see your need. Because I see the need that you're unable to do that which I need you to do and I require you to do, I'm going to send somebody who can do it in your place. And his name is what? Jesus. So here in this text, we're looking at love, the more excellent way. Instead of trying to be flashy and instead of trying to use the gifts to impress, we start to now use our gifts to love one another. What comes from the heart reaches the heart. I could stand up here week after week and preach a word and maybe a very eloquent word, but you know if I love you or not. You know if there's any love coming from me. 
Because your spirit will let you know. And so Paul is saying there's a more excellent way. And it's in love. Because God is what? Love. So we look at this text and he goes on to say, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Look at that text. Look at that text. It's poured into the gifts of God in the verse 2. The gift of prophecy and all understanding, all mysteries and all knowledge that can be able to answer any question that someone might have. But look what it says. And though I have all faith that I can remove mountains so much that we look at faith and we say, Lord, give me some more faith. I wish I had more faith. But the Bible lets us know if we have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, we can say that a fig tree be uprooted and cast in the sea. So even though our focus would be so much on that and we'd be saying, oh, what a great woman or man of faith. He's saying if they've got all this faith and they've got all this knowledge, but they don't love, it means nothing. I mean, all that gets thrown into the fire if there is no love, if there is no genuine, selfless concern for other people, then all of these gifts and the showmanship that can come from it is nothing without love. We got to learn how to love one another. And in order to have this kind of selfless love for one another, We have to have it in the agape context, which means we have to see beyond one another's faults and see their needs. I'm going to mess up, y'all. I'm going to hurt some folks' feelings because I'm not perfect. But are you going to be able to look at Pastor Butler and say, he's a man and he's got faults, but I'm going to look past him faults and see his need. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to come alongside him even though he's hurt me. And that's what I have to do with you. We're not perfect. And so we have to look beyond one another's faults and see our need. Our need is to be one body. In all things, essential is unity. In non-essentials are liberty. So we have been given liberty in Christ, but we should be ready at a moment's notice to put that down for the unity of the body of Christ. Because Jesus died for the whole body. Not just for the eye, not just for the ear, the foot, the knee, the ankle, but the whole body. But we got to have love. If we're going to ever operate like the church is supposed to operate in unity, we've got to love one another. We've got to be able to look at one another in all our frailties and say, I love you anyway. I'm seeking your good. Even though you might have harmed me, you might have hurt me, I'm seeking your good, your greater good in love. 
Because I don't care how much we try to be perfect in this life. Sometimes we sin by commission and sometimes by omission. Sometimes we sin knowingly, sometimes we sin deliberately, but sometimes we sin not knowingly. There have been times that I've hurt my wife and I didn't even know it. But then when I find this out, my wife has to know that I didn't know, I didn't mean to hurt her and she needs to look past the fact that I made an error in what I did and see the fact that I need forgiveness. Because I can't catch everything and nor can she catch everything she does. And so you with brother and brother to sister, friend, I mean, wherever we are, we have to remember that we are human beings and we will err. But if we have love for one another, everything will be all right. Verse 3 says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, isn't that interesting? That Paul would let us see that even the more sacrificial activities that we can be in. Look what he says, and I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. I mean, when you see that, no one would even argue that there wasn't love in it. I mean, all your goods, I mean, we, we love our stuff, don't we? We love our houses. We love our cars. We, you know, we like to keep them things close. And to say that we're going to give away all our clothes, all our money, our houses, our cars, and everything to the poor, that has to be love. But Paul is saying something else. Paul is saying even that can be done. But have no love. For whatever reason, whatever selfish motive that might be, but no love, it means nothing. If I, if I put myself up to be burned, see the people of Corinth would understand some of the pagan rituals there and some of them, in order to show love for their idols, they would put their bodies up to be what? Burned. And so he even grabs a hold of them and says, even if you do this right here, which y'all know about, and in this culture, even that, without love, it's nothing. So when we get back to the brass tacks of the matter, no matter what we do as believers in Christ, if we do it selfishly and without love, it counts for nothing. Because Paul understands that love is the eternal abiding thing. There's coming a day when prophecies shall cease. But love will never fail. Love will never end because God is love. God will never end, so love will never end because God is love. If we want to be the examples, we want to be the portraits of God, we have to 
love. We have to see beyond our neighbor's faults and to see their needs. If we're to ever get there, that is how we're going to get there. And if we're going to be the body of Christ that we are supposed to be, we got to start loving one another. What the world needs is love. They need to see love in us because they will know that we are his disciples by the what love we show one another. We got to get back to love, saints. Not just getting along or not just tolerating, but loving one another. Loving one another out of a genuine heart. Because what comes from the heart reaches the heart. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. It was love in the garden of Gethsemane. Sweating, beads of sweat that was like blood. It was love that was praying for me. It was love that got beat all night long. It was love through six kangaroo courts. It was love that they marched down the Via Della Rosa to outside the walls of Jerusalem to a place called Calvary's Mountain. It was love. They put love in, they put love on a cross. They put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet. But nobody took his life, but love gave it freely. It was love on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. Because he could see my faults, but he saw my needs. So love hung down from the third to the ninth hour. The Bible says from the sixth to the ninth hour, darkness was all over the land. But my Jesus and your Jesus, the epitome of love, he said, Father, oh Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it was love that said, it is finished. And it was love that said, Father, into thy hands I commit 
relationship with Jesus Christ. They heard these words, but you know in your heart that you haven't asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to come live in you. Right now is a good time to get to know you. While blood is running warm in your veins, you can come and you can get to know him today. For he is willing and he is able to save your very soul. If you don't know him in the pardon of your sin, don't you wait another minute, another second, another hour. Because tomorrow and later today is not promised. Serve the Lord today. Give him your life. You can come by baptism. You can come by letter or Christian experience. You can come today. He is willing to save you. Just like you are. No matter what you have done, he is willing to save you. He died for you on an old rugged cross. He knows all things, but he died anyway for you. Amen.
got some good ones here. Amen. 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 Just overjoyed. Amen. And once again, as well, let's see. Our visitor got our way in here, didn't he? Amen. Let's see, we got sister. Okay, amen. Amen. Yeah, brother Mark, he got out of here some kind of way. Well, for the time he is with us, Oh, and Sister Lolita Shannon, I forgot all about you being a visitor. I just made you a member too. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And once again, good to see Mother Young. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that as well. Well, if all minds and hearts are clear, 